Yeah, I don't. I don't like the name because when I eat it, I'm thinking like, oh, only one of these things is actually Hawaiian, and it's not the pizza. But you know, I like the sweet and savory of that colonial fruit on top of that commodified meat. Hello, I'm your host Dee Dee Madigan, and welcome to another episode of Home Plates. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, things are settling down and you're able to enjoy a nice break. On this break, catch up with all of the latest Home Plates episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and Google Play. In this week's episode, I dive into Hawaiian food. My guests and I discuss poke, Hawaiian pizza, which fun fact is not actually Hawaiian and my guests will set you straight on that. and also indigenous foods with the Hawaiian Islands. Stay tuned, you're listening to Home Plates. Welcome to another episode of Home Plates. Today, here with me to talk about Hawaiian food are, would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Tiffany. I'm Kamaka Ike, and my legal name is Natalie Brucher. And can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? Um, yeah, so I was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. I was born there. I kind of moved around a lot. I've lived in the Waikiki area, Kapuhulu, Kalihi, Waipahu. Um, and like Waipahu isn't actually Honolulu. It's uh, a little bit far out, but it's still the greater Oahu area. And I moved to Seattle to come to school at the University of Washington when I turned 18 and I've been here since. I go home whenever I can, uh, usually during breaks, and one of my favorite things about going home is getting to eat the food because that's really what I miss most when I'm here. Yeah, I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, um, and I'm Kanaka Maoli, which means that I'm of indigenous Hawaiian descent. So my mom and all the generations before her were born and raised in the islands, but she moved to to the Pacific Northwest for college. And so being born and raised away from my native islands, my mom just wanted to make sure that every summer I get to go home and stay in touch with my family, stay in touch with my roots. Um, And a a big part of that for me as well is connecting with food. So not only the local foods that I don't really get to enjoy in the Seattle area, but the indigenous foods that have been brought back into our community that my family used to sustain off of that I have the privilege of getting to stay in contact with now. I think it's important to, for Hawaiian food to talk a little bit about the history to better understand it. So if you guys maybe could walk us through or just give us a little explainer of how the history of Hawaii and the colonialism there influenced the food today. When I think about Hawaiian food, I think about the different eras of history. And so there's kind of two categories that I place them in. There's the the indigenous foods and like the modern foods. So the more traditional indigenous foods are pre-contact. So it includes mostly the crops that were brought from Southeast Asia along the migration throughout Oceania. So the different crops that the Pacific Islander ancestors brought to all of their islands and cultivated. Um, This includes like taro, yams, breadfruit, coconut, arrowroot, Every island in Oceania has some varieties of these for the most part, and they all have found their own ways to make recipes out of them, cultivate them differently depending on the landscape. So for Vai'i, some of the traditional foods would be like 
taro, which is grown in Lo'ikalo, which is like the traditional taro patches that you find the land near the rivers where you can get the irrigation going and then feed that back into like the local ia or the the fish ponds where fish used to be grown kind of like a fish farm but not really and yeah so like fish was traditional like pig and chicken and dog were the animals that our ancestors purposely brought and then like rats kind of were a stowaway <laughs> also things like coconut there's different recipes like one that we still eat today is called kulolo and it's like taro and also new or coconut is kind of combined to make a dessert. Um, another dessert is haupia, which we still eat today. Traditionally, it was made with hau or like the coconut cream and pia. But nowadays, it's kind of sad that cornstarch is used as a substitute for arrowroot starch because that's a less healthy alternative. It may have a more solid texture than the traditional recipes, but arrowroot starch would be the more traditional and healthier alternative for that. Yeah, and those are just some examples of the foods we have. My personal favorite is ulu or breadfruit. My grandma has a tree of it in her backyard. She just steams it, and if it's ripe, then it tastes so good. So those would be some of our traditional foods. Without going into the whole history, during the kingdom era for Hawaii, when there are a lot of different populations who are brought in from a lot from East Asia, so like Japan, China, Korea, also Filipino, Portuguese. All of these cultures who came to work in the different plantations brought their own influences to our foods. And I didn't really grow up eating these, so Tiffany can probably like explain her knowledge of those, but there's just a lot of different foods that kind of evolved from that combining of cultural elements. So there's a lot of Hawaiian influence still in some dishes and some modern dishes that I guess we think about are like lomi lomi salmon, plate lunches, poke. They all kind of come from different combined elements of cultures. And actually, I heard a story yesterday. I was hosting some Hawaiian elders, and one of them has worked with local tribes, and he said, oh, lomi lomi salmon. When the Hudson's Bay Company was bringing Hawaiians to work with them in the Pacific Northwest, some of the Hudson's Bay Company men would would go up to the Lummi Nation and buy fish from the Lummi tribe and then it would be transported over to the Hawaiian Islands. And so he said that Lomi Lomi kind of sounds like Lummi. And so it's, I don't know the full history of that, but that was something that I've never heard before. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting because I don't think salmon like traditionally grows in Hawaii. We're much more ahi based or like tuna based. Mm -hmm. So something I learned when I moved to the mainland or like to Seattle was that poke kind of became a thing when I moved here. And I personally don't like the poke bowls <laughs> in Seattle or on the mainland. I haven't really had them anywhere else other than Seattle. But to me, like a lot of Hawaii's food focuses on tasting good and like it's not super aesthetic the way it is here like I don't really like colors like a seaweed salad on top or like edamame on top I kind of just want poke and rice so like other local foods that I really like personally come from the combination of like Portuguese Chinese Japanese foods and cultures so personally like one of my favorite foods when I go home to eat is a uh, chicken long rice and that's not a traditional Hawaiian dish by any means, but if you go to like a plate lunch store like Foodland, which is kind of like a QFC where you can 
get a plate lunch and like order food there but also do grocery shopping and whatnot like their plate lunch they'll have like lao lao which is more traditional but there'll also be like chicken long rice that you can choose from and that's not at all traditional it's like rice noodles which are like significantly more asian culture based some really local eateries are like zippies that's only in hawaii zippies has like simon they have bamboo subis they have like zip pack meals and like even our mcdonald's has different things just because we have a very different food culture and culture in general like we have spam egg rice platters and like portuguese sausage egg rice platters and those are all things that the mainland doesn't have and it's just because hawaii has this very different unique culture yeah, for me, like, a lot of those things my mom would kind of cook snippets of when I was growing up because obviously we don't have access to as many of, like, the, those kinds of local foods over there, but I did grow up eating things like hot dog and rice and Spam and Simon, um, just kind of different things that my friends would eat. And so, but that's because that's what my mom was raised on, so that's how she knows how to make it. And so it's kind of like for a lot of people like my mom who grew up in the islands but moved somewhere else food traditions is something they take with them and it carries on to the next generation do you guys cook at all uh yeah i do cook although sometimes it can be hard like being in college can be difficult when trying to juggle time but like pretty recently i made shoyu chicken and i was really happy because it was like a new recipe and i didn't have necessarily everything that i would have needed to follow the recipe but I kind of ad-libbed it and it actually turned out really good and it was just like a really nice reminder of home and sometimes if I have like a craving um, I'll go out and buy specific ingredients to make things from home and yeah it's usually when I'm pretty homesick I'll make food <laughs> yeah I make Zippy's chili um, I follow almost the Zippy's recipe but I omit the MSG and the peanut butter so it's it's pretty good. Um, my mom taught me how to make that. Other than that, I don't really cook too many local dishes. My mom makes amazing poke. She just she has to buy frozen ahi because that's what she can get access to up here. But she adds all the basics like the limu or the seaweed, green onions, onions, you know, all the seasoning stuff, sesame, shoyu, and it it tastes good every time because my mom makes you know she makes it just how she wants it and. The best poke I've had in Seattle is at home, so. <laughs> but yeah, I really do want to learn how to cook other kinds of foods, though. My grandma taught one of my cousins how to make lao lao, which is like, you know, as Tiffany described earlier, it's that one, di it's a more traditional dish, and it's like fish, pork maybe, and collard greens are like the, the leaf of the taro plant, all wrapped up um, in like banana leaves or tea leaves, whatever, and baked and that comes out just a really good like meat and greens tasting savory kind of dish um, so I definitely want to learn how to make that next whenever I can get a chance to cook I do I think though like the most that I ever do actually cook and it's like for Hui it's the Hawaii club here every year we do our luau and we try to make traditional quote-unquote or like local style food and oftentimes we, we make them in big batches so like we'll make kalua pig we'll make halpia we'll make a lot of rice and like i think 
just kind of getting to do it then is pretty nice because you can always just like take the recipe home with you and like whenever we have luau there's always lots of leftovers so I can kind of be like I cooked that because I did participate and then I'll just have a lot of food to eat at home <laughs> usually a lot of meat to eat at home or a lot of mac salad yeah, I forgot to mention that um, I'm pretty lucky. I live with two of my friends who are both Chamorro, and they both cook. Um, Chamorro is a indigenous people of the Marianas Islands, so like Guam, Saipan. And one of their families actually um, is the head of a catering company, um, Chamorro Food, and they cater for the Micronesian event through the Micronesian Islands Club. But just like, even though I grew up with my kind of Pacific Islander foods, being exposed to those when I go back to the islands, it's interesting how a different island, their food is completely different. Um, the kinds of flavors they have, like my spice tolerance has gone way up <laughs> since I started living with them because Polynesians don't really eat spicy food. It's not in our diets. So a lot of like Chamorro food has spice in it. So it's just been interesting getting to try all their amazing food and learn about the differences. So when you return home and when you go back to Hawaii, what's the first dish that you seek out that is like a must have? Yeah, so I can speak to that first and then Natalie can add on her opinions. But um, for me, I usually either go for zippies because I really like the Korean fried chicken. It's like the only fried chicken that I really, really enjoy and will eat <laughs> all of it. It's either that or I'll go to Ono Seafood in Kapuhulu and I'll get a spicy ahi poke bowl because those are two things I really can't get on the mainland. And I don't think I could make it the way they make it, even if I tried. It's just something that's really reminiscent of like growing up and being home. Yeah, for me, um, the foods that I crave the most is like fresh ahi. If I can just get that somewhere, I usually do. Um, also, poi because that's one of my favorite Hawaiian foods, um, and also ulu or breadfruit if I can. Just whatever's available at my grandma's house um, when I get back home is what I go for. And really just anything, you know, is a good taste of home, just to be able to share that with family. I also just like thought of something. When I go home, I really enjoy eating fruits. That kind of sounds weird, but like back home, it's tropical so like a lot of fruit trees grow at my grandma she had like lived there since she immigrated to the u.s and she just had like these crazy trees like she had avocado trees she had like lychee mango trees and like a few other fruits from southeast asia that i don't know the english names of but like when i'm on the mainland i crave fruits but I'm not willing to pay the price of fruits. <laughs> so like when I go home, it's really nice to be able to get like significantly cheaper fruits or free fruits mm -hmm. just because um, Hawaii has the climate for them to grow and for them to be cheaper just because that's where they are. Like I can just pick them off or something. You guys had mentioned wanting to talk about pineapple. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that because you were talking about fruits and I was thinking like, oh, what other fruits like mango, guava, oh, pineapple, that's the one. Um, so I guess one myth that people might have that I actually grew up thinking too is that pineapple is Hawaiian. So pineapple is not remotely Hawaiian in any way. It actually originates in South America. 
and it has a really negative history with Hawaii um, in terms of the the economic impact that it's had. Pineapple um, was first brought by American, you know, planters to the islands because, like, geographically it makes sense the climate is good for pineapple to grow. Pineapple and sugar were two of the crops during the Kingdom era that were kind of monocropped on plantations and a lot of the men who were the heads of these plantations were actually the ones who congregated to overthrow the kingdom of Hawaii. So pineapple is a colonial fruit, is what I like to call it, um, because Sanford Dole, who's one of the the men, you guys probably all know Dole Fruits, he, he owned pineapple plantations, and he was actually one of the main leaders in the group of foreigner men who who sought to overthrow the kingdom. And actually after that had gone down um, and kind of a new government had been established, I think it was like the Republic, um, he was the president of that. So pineapple for me has a very bitter association because I just think about the colonization of my islands and how now this fruit, you can see it like on t-shirts where it also says aloha and kind of associated with Hawaii and like the tropical paradise image. But when I think about pineapple, I think this, you know, it's part of a bigger picture of something that actually had very negative effect on our islands. Um, and the name for pineapple in Olalo Hawaii or Hawaiian language is halakahiki. And kahiki in that word means like foreign distance so already in the name that my people gave to this fruit you can tell this is not from our islands it's it's from kahiki it's from far away would you happen to know if coffee beans are post-colonial because i feel like the big money crops in hawaii right now or coffee beans in general pineapples and like sugarcane do you know of coffee so coffee i don't know the history of coffee i know that it's still like it's going strong in terms of being planted, um, especially on like Hawaii Island or the Big Island. I don't know when that kind of the boom of coffee growing started, but I do know that it's not from our islands either. It's somewhere on the other side of the world, but yeah, that's another introduced crop. Yeah, we kind of talked about this earlier, and this is kind of a conversation that I have with friends on the mainland, but uh, we were talking about pizza and I just wanted to put it out there that um, Hawaiian pizza is not from Hawaii, other than like the fact that pineapples are on it and that is associated with the idea of Hawaii. I think it was made in Canada, not 100%. It does have the Canadian bacon, bacon on it. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like a weird mixture. You have like pineapples, Canadian bacon, and then you call it Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of really want to know like how that name came about and who invented that now. Yeah, like who like, named it? I gotta admit, guys, like I actually enjoy eating Hawaiian <laughs> pizza. Yeah, I don't I don't like the name because when I eat it, I'm thinking like, oh, only one of these things is actually Hawaiian and it's not the pizza. But you know, I like the sweet and savory of that colonial fruit on top of that commodified meat. There's something very delicious about it, but also a little bit guilty when I think about the, the meaning behind everything on there. Yeah, when I think of like sweet and salty... I don't really like savory and salty, mm -hmm. but sweet and salty I'm okay with. So like lihingui pineapples, yeah. 
or lihimoi powder on top of fruits is like really good to me. Do you want to explain what lihimoi is? Yeah, so it's like ground up powder. It's like kind of reddish. So it's just ground up dried plums that kind of add this extra flavor. It's an ume flavor, which is Japanese, and I don't know how to explain it in English necessarily, but it's it's kind of a savory, salty, sour flavor combination that just pairs really well with like pineapples or apples. But you can put it on your shave ice, and like that's a flavor in Hawaii, and it's pretty good. Yeah, and also similar to lihimoi is um, I kind of think our people use it the same way. Like locals use it the same way is furikake. So you know, like the seaweed seasoning with little seaweed bits and sesame seeds. That tastes really good on things like Chex Mix or like mochi crunch, which is like the rice cracker snack. So there's just different things that are kind of innovative, and you can use it to flavor different everyday snacks to kind of shape it in a way that's more local well i have a scenario for you you guys need to make let's say that you have some friends over who really want to try hawaiian food what's on the menu for this dinner you got to do like an appetizer a main course and then dessert of course and then drinks too if there there are some sure i think personally my dessert would be like halpia or maybe like a sweet potato halpia pie and I think that would like kind of showcase Hawaii just because I think that's more of a local food so like until I moved to the mainland I didn't know that sweet potatoes weren't supposed to be purple I didn't know that there was yellow and white <laughs> sweet potatoes because in Hawaii we mainly use Okinawan sweet potatoes which are purple and I didn't know that there were non-purple ones and uh sweet potato halpia pie recipe that sweet potato is going to be purple so it's kind of <laughs> cool uh, what what would you think about for, like, a main meal and appetizers? Mm. I would think, like, spam soupies, but that's... Yeah, for me, I feel like I would go more for, like, the heavy foods because I tend to prefer heavy foods and not snack-type stuff, and I really like meat. So I would personally, like, from the modern dishes, I would pull the lomi lomi salmon because it has those salmon bits and the tomato and the, the green onions and stuff that makes it taste really fresh. I would also... Emu, the pig, I would cook a pig in the earth oven because I need to learn how to do that um, still. <laughs> Probably have lao lao too and like have a lot of options for f- fruits. But I think having sweet potato available too would be good. And definitely pulque. Yeah. yeah. I definitely agree with like the emu thing because you could totally make like the pig you could totally roast the pig and make lala at the same time yeah like and you can put like halpia in the same oven while those are cooking you can yeah i think also for the dessert i would share kulolo because not that many people have tried it and it's kind of in resurgence too but it's one of my favorite tastes and so these past few years like going to the farmers market in Kaneohe and getting the the Pomai brand Kulolo has been a treat for us just to enjoy that because that's one dessert that I didn't grow up eating but have rediscovered recently and I like the taste of it. It's a good combination. So we would essentially just have a large array of food <laughs> yeah. and people can decide what they think is because an appetizer because why choose yeah? yeah that sounds good to me oh also opihi um that is so good shellfish um that like you can find around the islands 
There's a couple of different kinds, but my favorite one is opihi, which is like a limpet, I think is what it's called. It's like the half cone shell or like the cone shaped shell and it clings to the rocks. And I like it raw. You just like put a little flavor on there and just eat it. And it's kind of like, like oysters, but in my opinion, a little bit more fishy and better tasting. That sounds really good. If I want to go back to like the pig, cooking the pig and the ground, how does that work and what's the tradition behind that? So I've never cooked any food like that before, but that kind of oven is traditional for most of the islands in Oceania. And that's, especially like in Polynesia, you can see a lot of families who still cook that way. Like some of my Samoan friends who live in Tacoma, their families will dig like the, they call it the umu in their language to, to cook different foods. Um, but in Hawaii, I think like the emu would be dug in the ground and I forget what gives it the heat. I think it's like hot coals or something. Yeah. And then you lay everything on top, all the food. So you would essentially like wrap up your like your lao lao or wrap up like your haupia in a leaf package and then you could cook it under there and then bury it. Um, or for a pig, you can roast over an open pit. There's just different ways, but basically digging holes in the ground was how the ovens would be made, and that takes a lot of coordination between whole communities and families. But yeah, it makes like really good food. It's like pretty smoky without having added like smoke flavoring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are there any other uh, food traditions or customs that are uh, unique to Hawaii's culture that you feel like you'd want to share? An interesting tidbit or like it's it kind of has to do with like eating customs I guess but like in a lot of like native Hawaiian food you don't necessarily use utensils to eat. Would you agree Natalie? Like for poi like you essentially use like your middle and your index finger to like scoop the poi and that's like how you eat it. And I don't know I think that's just really telling of like the focus of Hawaiian food and like it's pretty basic in terms of they make do with what there is and the flavor really comes from the ingredients and not from how aesthetically pleasing it looks like. Yeah and I would add to that also like the feeling you get from the food especially comfort but what I would say about what I would say is unique about the the traditional native foods of Hawaii is that I guess I just want to talk about how they're in resurgence now and there's been a lot of aspects of traditional food making that have been lost but that are coming back and it's really cool to see um, especially because like my grandparents generation got to grow up eating a lot of different kinds of foods that people may not make now but might be like relearning the traditional recipes for so like with kulolo kulolo wasn't as widely consumed as halpia, for example. And even though they're both desserts, one was just more familiar to our communities than the other. Same with different kinds of poi. I didn't know that people could make poi out of like sweet potato and breadfruit also, but we've seen like sweet potato poi, breadfruit poi coming back, and it's really cool to see that. So I guess what makes Hawaii's foods unique is that there's a lot of different layers to what kinds of foods are available. They all have their history and they all have different meanings for people who live there, but there's something that everybody can, can share around because 
For local foods, a lot of people have kind of come together to shape the history of that. And for traditional foods, it's something that a lot of people are starting to bring back so everyone can enjoy. It means a lot that traditional foods are coming back because in Pacific Islander communities, we have a lot of health issues that have kind of come up out of the change in diet from what our our ancestors used to metabolize pre-contact to what kinds of food have become available now. It's going to be hard to implement our traditional diet back in a way so that everybody, not just Native Hawaiians, but everybody who lives in Hawaii can have access to those for healthier food options um, and more sustainable crops to grow. But it's just good to see that that kind of like community efforts towards return of traditional food practices is making the rounds in the islands. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting how you brought up the health benefits. Because if if, if I, when I think about logo food, it's really comfort food, and there aren't a lot of vegetables in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, local mocos are essentially <laughs> a hamburger patty, gravy, <laughs> and an egg. Most people get it, like, sunny side up or over easy. And rice. And that's, that's not super healthy all the time. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's a local comfort food. And, like, a spam usubi is not super healthy for you. The healthiest part of that is, like, the nori, which is seaweed in that. Yeah. It's definitely not the most caloric or nutritious yeah. thing in the world. I just think that, yeah, people have a very strong connection to food in Hawaii. Like, there's always potlucks. And you always overeat. And there's yeah. no way to and there's circumvent always that. leftovers you bring home, yeah. Well, do you have any restaurant recommendations in around Seattle? The only local food place that I've really gone and enjoyed is Kona Kitchen because when you walk in there, they're very kind and it just has a good feeling and also their food, their food is good. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of memories. That's like the restaurant that my mom would take me to or buy food from since I was little. So Kona Kitchen is my recommendation for local style food. Um, and for poke, the only place I've been to in the Seattle area that I like is 45th Stop and Shop. Yeah, those are my two recommendations. Everywhere else um, that I've tried, it, it just hasn't given had the same impact on me. Where is Kona Kitchen? Oh, Kona Kitchen is a couple blocks away from Northgate Mall. Okay. Yeah, so I would also say Kona Kitchen's pretty good. There's a lot of people from Hawaii that work there that uh, swear by it. I think that, but Kona Kitchen does a pretty good job. Once again, these aren't like very healthy places. (laughs) They're pretty comfort food places. Yeah. And then for poke, I would recommend places that, that sell it by the pound. So I know Go Poke does. They're located in Chinatown like maybe a block from the where you get off the link station and I've been to 45th stop and shop and I know they also sell it by the pound or by weight I think the poke places on the mainland are fine <laughs> they like they they're doing like some innovative things with like <laughs> burrito pokes <laughs> which is pretty and interesting <laughs> instagram worthy but um I don't know I just I don't think there's really any like extraordinary 
places on the mainland. You should, you should go to Hawaii if you want really good poke or like ask someone to make you some because I think I've had friends make me poke and I actually think that's probably the best poke I've had on the mainland. You just go to Wajimaya, buy sashimi grade ahi and then just kind of make your own to taste. I think that's the best and like even frozen ahi, if you, like that's significantly cheaper than like fresh sashimi grade ahi and if you can like find a recipe that you like I think that would be better than going out and buying some. Yeah, I would definitely recommend homemade. Um, that's just a better way to get a feel for like what goes into poke and then you can just make a poke bowl real simple however you like. All right, well thank you. I think our listeners will enjoy checking those places out hopefully. So the uh, last couple of things I like to ask all my guests is one of them is we do drunk food and junk food. So, your favorite junk food slash junk food? I think that my favorite junk food is like a spam musubi. And I think my favorite drunk food is like ramen or like some sort of simon from home. Because those are significantly easier and more readily available late at night <laughs> than spam musubis. But you can buy them at like 7 Eleven, so that's also valid. Yeah, I don't know what you guys mean by junk food, but my favorite junk food um, <laughs> from the islands is probably just a snack on Furikake Chex Mix, because once again, it has like a little bit of sweet and it's also savory, so. Lastly, can I get a favorite food memory from you guys? So just a time where, or like a memory that has to deal with food that makes you just really happy to think about. I think for me, my favorite food memories definitely come from making the food or like having my auntie show me how to make food. So like the things that I make with her are pretty much like the chicken long rice and the sweet potato halpia pie. The sweet potato halpia pie is kind of labor intensive because you've got to mash all the sweet potato and like boil them and stuff. And then you got to like make that layer before you can make the halpia layer. And I think just like thinking of that and like knowing that if I ever want to do it and put in the time to do it, I can, and I know it'll be awesome tasting. I know how unhealthy it is, but that's okay because, you know, when you're making food, it's, like, for the soul. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for me, a lot of my favorite food memories are things that I've tried along the way. So, like, especially just my journey back into my traditional foods. And a lot of those memories are shared with my grandma. I guess one in particular that I take pride in is there's this one um, lo'ikalo or tar patch on Oahu and it's like a 15 minute drive from where my grandparents live. And I remember I volunteered with them for the past two summers when I've been back. Um, You know, I've been sore by the end and one time I picked up a bag of poi from them that was from the same fields that I had just been working in, but you know, like a couple months back, that crop. And I brought this bag home to my tutu, to my grandma. And she grew up eating pretty much mostly traditional foods up until when she had to to move. But she she had just one taste of this poi and she was like, this is what poi is supposed to taste like. And that was just a really great moment for my mom and I to see her so pleased by that food because we knew that if grandma approves of it, then that that means that 
what we're putting in our bodies is is pono it's right and it's we're gonna be eating well you know (laughs) yeah so that was that was a good memory for me just realizing how much her approval and her comfort from that food brought joy to my mom and I thank you those are great food memories um I also I before we end this I gotta let you plug your club so clubs clubs okay so would you like to talk about the clubs that Um, you're involved with yeah so I'm involved in a few clubs but I think the most prevalent one is probably gonna be Hui Ho Aloha Ulana and that's UW's Hawaii Club. Our biggest event, like I mentioned earlier, is our luau. It happens once a year um, in the spring quarter, and it's essentially where we feed you a lot of food and <laughs> we put on some entertainment for the night. We, we dance hula and we usually do Tahitian, and it's just a really fun way to kind of be introduced to the Hawaiian culture through food and entertainment. Yeah, so I'm involved with two clubs on campus. Um, I'll plug the club that my roommates are involved with first, um, the Micronesian Islands Club on campus. And they are a group of Micronesian students and students who are interested in Micronesian culture who just work to promote um, the different cultures from the Micronesian Islands and support high school students from that region. So every night they put on Micronesia Night, which my roommate's family caters Chamorro food for. Um, that is going to be March 31st, 2018, I'm pretty sure, the last Saturday of March. So make sure you guys go to that. We'll be selling tickets. You can find the Facebook page for Micronesian Islands Club. And it's just a really great chance for people to see the, the cultures of the different Micronesian Islands that aren't as known and also to try the food. Um, and so we have performances from a couple different islands just so that our Micronesian students and those who want to support can represent their islands with pride and this year I'm the it's my second year as the vice president for the Polynesian Student Alliance on campus and the Polynesian Student Alliance was founded with goals for high school outreach to Pacific Islander students to support our youth in pursuing higher education as well as promoting the cultures of our ancestors so we can represent them accurately and with pride so the event that we put on is Polynesian Day and this this event is targeted towards high school students and letting them know that there's a place for them on campus. Even though Pacific Islanders are a small demographic, we have a place here, our cultures have a place here, and we're here to support you in your goals. So um, we have workshops for them in the morning and then food. And then in the afternoon, we have performances in Red Square where you can catch us um, in public and there's no cost. You just show up and we'll be out in Red Square performing if you want to catch us this year. We'll be performing in Red Square on the last Friday of April, which is April 27th. So just keep your eyes out for the Polynesian Student Alliance on Poly Day. It's our 20th annual Poly Day this year. And the cultures that we usually represent are Hawaii, Samoa, Tonga, and Tahiti. And that's uh, some of those islands a lot of our students have heritage from. So yeah, it's just a really beautiful day to come see Polynesian culture is represented by our proud students. Can I say something? Oh, yes, I just it. looked up the date for the <laughs> um, And this year it's going to be on May 19th. All right. So everyone needs to go mark their calendar. It sounds like the stuff is happening in the spring. So you have plenty of time and no excuses about forgetting about it because we're telling you now. 
those sound like really great events and I hope everyone checks them out because they sound great and it sounds like food and fun. So thank you guys so much for being on this show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you for hosting us today. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Home Plates. I'm Aiden Walker. And I'm Blake Peterson. Together, we host a podcast called Cinema Adventure, where we discuss movies with important guests, talk about their favorite movies, and recommend movies that you may have never heard of before. So join us every other Monday on the Soundbite Network so we can film you in. Uh, Wasn't that good? It was really good. It's a good pun, isn't it? For more like this and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.